This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 24th, 2018. Women of the Bible, Noname. Uh, Noname? Uh, no name. The woman with the issue of blood. Well, good morning, Connection Church. I'm sorry. That sounds like an 8.30 good morning. You guys, it's halfway to day's half done. We got to be awake here. Good morning, Connection Church. Oh, you had me nervous there for a minute. Welcome to the final week of our series, Women of the Bible. This morning, our focus is on Noname. Who knows Noname? Okay, let maybe even pronounce it differently. How about Noname? How about No Name? Hey, Alan, somebody <laughs> came up to me after last service and said, I can't find that in the Bible. I said, that's Alan's humor that she didn't get. All right, there's no Noname in the Bible, okay? It's all those female characters who are nameless. Now, they call them, they refer to them in some way, but it's not by a name. It's like daughter of, sister of. You know, it's, it's, it's like, here's who it is, and it goes around the corner to tell you. It's not like uh, Mary or Veronica or Joanne or whatever. And, so, and they're all men characters as well, but there's just a whole list, as you saw in that, uh, the bump into the message, that whole list of female characters that are referred to in some way other than a specific given name. And so this morning, our focus is on one of the many, many nameless women. And this woman, actually, if you do some research, they, they sometimes refer to her as Veronica, and I don't know why, but to give her a name, yeah. Wow. There you go, Veronica. But... That's not what she, we don't know, where, I don't know where they got that, because in the Bible she's referred to as the woman, how would you like this to be your nomenclature? The woman with the issue of blood. That's how we know her. Yeah, wow. there you go. So good morning, Connection Church. <laughs> we want to welcome you here today, and we also want to welcome those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live. So glad you're here. I've got my phone. I know who you are. And Barb, I have a message for you. Lee says hello from Florida. So, and man, we'll see we, you we're soon. really doing it up right here this morning. We were man. actually in China this morning as well, beaming the message. So it's really fun. Unbelievable. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you for those who have gathered here and online. God, settle us in that your scripture may come alive in our heart and that we might be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. So our story this morning is actually found in three of the four Gospels. The Gospels are the four books that start the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories that talk about Jesus. This story is found in three of those, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to be referring to the Markian version of this story. And actually, it's a story within another story. You see, the larger story, uh, one of the leaders of the synagogue, the Jewish church, his name was Jairus, came to Jesus, fell at his feet, pleading with him to put his hands on his dying daughter so she could be healed and live. Now, you talk about some serious faith. 
where he says, just put your hands on her and I know she'll be healed. So Jesus is on the way to go check out this situation. A large crowd is following and pressing in around him. And then that's when our story kind of comes into play. Matthew 20, excuse me, Matthew, Mark chapter 5, verses 25 and 26 starts the story. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, say it with me, she grew worse. Wow. She grew worse. Under the Mosaic law, law of Moses, the law that the nation of Israel functioned under, a woman was considered unclean or put apart for seven days when she had her monthly cycle. Now, those who came in contact with this woman, anything she sat on, anything she laid on, anything she touched, they were also considered unclean. And so that meant that they would have to go and wash their clothes and and bathe in order to be clean again. If this bleeding lasted longer than seven days, all the days of this issue were considered unclean. And so the woman in this story, she had this prolonged, never-ending cycle. Now, some of us women understand some of this, and it really is not fun, and it's, it's ugh. And this is the case, and there wasn't all the medical stuff that we can undergo today, but this is her, where she was. And so there she was, abnormally heavy bleeding that did not stop, and she was considered unclean. Mm. And this woman in this story that we're talking about had suffered this condition for 12 years. 12 years years she'd been set apart from society, not allowed to worship in the temple. Um, uh, 12 years she was unclean, quote-unquote. If she were married, it's very unlikely her husband would would divorce her because um, any contact she had with her husband and children would make them unclean unclean. For 12 years, she was basically alone, set apart, ostracized. I don't think any of us can even begin to imagine what that must have felt like for 12 long, lonely years. She had done everything she could do to remedy the situation. She spent all she had on doctors, on treatment. That's what the Bible tells us. And instead of getting better, you said it a moment ago, she was just getting worse. A lot of suffering. A lot of suffering. She was at the end of her rope. I'm sure you can imagine, especially the women here in this room, you can just imagine 12 years. And she was out of options, no place to turn, we would surmise from all this that she was in a desperate spot. Hmm. So maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been there before. Over and over and over, you do what you think you're supposed to do to remedy a situation, a tough situation, a painful situation, spending whatever money it takes, 
hoping, hoping, hoping that this time, this time it'll find the answer, that this time it will take care of the problem, that this time it'll be the end, the end of the challenge, the end of the nightmare. You've done everything you know what to do, how to do, and instead of making it better, it's only getting worse. And there's just one option left, and that's to reach for a miracle to reach for a miracle. And that's what the woman in this morning's story did. Mark 5, verses 27, 28. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. It's pretty amazing that she was even in the crowd at all, because remember, she was unclean. She was not supposed to be around people. And anything she touched would be rendered unclean as well. So there she was in the crowd after 12 years. Nothing more than she could do for herself. She's out, O-U-T, out of options, out of money, out of patience, probably out of time the end of her rope, and so she is willing at this point, she's willing to break the rules, to do something radical in order to end the nightmare that she's been living for such a long time. Mm. And so somehow she heard about this guy, Jesus. We, we don't know when, where, or how. It doesn't tell us. That must not be important. If it was important, it would tell us. But somehow she's heard about this, this Jesus guy, and she sees this crowd around him. And so she comes up behind him in the crowd because she knew. From what she heard, from what she'd seen, she knew that he had the power, the power to make a difference, the power to change a life, the, the power to heal the power to perform a miracle, which is exactly what she's reaching for. And so she's reaching for that miracle as she works her way through this crowd to get ever closer, closer, closer to the one that she believes can heal her, the one she believes can bring an end to her misery, to the one she believes can save her. And so she's reaching for a miracle as she touches the robe that Jesus is wearing. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Wow! She reached for a miracle. She touched the robe, and immediately, say the word immediately, 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 immediately her blood stopped, her bleeding stopped, and she was free in a moment. It was just a moment, 12 years of suffering, 12 years of humiliation, 12 years of embarrassment, and immediately it ended. 12 years of dwindling assets, 12 years of frustration, of grief, of hopelessness, and in a moment it turned to hopefulness as new life began immediately for her. The bleeding stopped. Her body was free from suffering. 
she received new life thanks to Jesus Christ in a moment. Verse 30. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Wow. You see, she's thinking, all I got to do is touch the robe. All I got to do is touch the robe, and then I can turn, I can get lost back in this crowd. I can go home healed and free. That's what she thought as she reached for that miracle. Just touch the robe. He'll never know the difference. It's worth a shot. She had that kind of faith. That's some pretty good faith, isn't it? Just touch the robe. Hide back in the crowd. Just touch the robe, and you can be healed. You can be changed forever. Life can be good. Reach for the miracle. Touch the robe. Be healed. Turn and go. No one the wiser. Nobody in this crowd has to know. And then he has to ask, who touched my robe? Who touched my clothes, he said. How did he know? So many people in the crowd jostling, shoving, pushing, pulling. How did he know? And Jesus wants to know who touched his clothes? An easier question to answer, Ben, who didn't touch my clothes? Even the disciples would have had that reaction because they said, you see the people crowding against you, and yet you ask, who touched me? You see, you can imagine Jesus in the crowd, and everywhere he was going, there are people that are just clamoring to get around him. But he sensed that this particular touch from this particular woman it was different. She touched with a purpose. She touched with a need. She touched and reached out because she had faith that if she just touched Jesus, the hem of his robe, big things could happen. She was reaching for a miracle, and Scripture tells us the moment she touched him, she was healed. And that healing drew power from Jesus. Mm. And in an instant, he realized that some of that power, he felt some power leave him. And he wants to know who touched him, who received the healing power that they sought, the miracle that they were reaching for. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Wow. He was relentless, wasn't he? He's going to find out who touched him. And I think the thing is, we know Jesus. Jesus, I have a feeling, knew who touched him. So for some reason, he wants to make this thing public. He wants to make it public. So he wouldn't let it go. He keeps looking around. Who touched him? Who touched his robe? And she must have known he wasn't going to give up. <laughs> and so she fesses up at what she'd done. And, you know, she fesses up, and she's not knowing what's going to happen, what punishment she might receive 
What further humiliations waiting for us? See, we don't get it. We don't have this unclean thing, do we? She, doesn't, she wasn't even supposed to be in the crowd and touching other people, let alone touching a holy man and making him unclean. Well, how does that work? And yet that's what she did. Middle of the crowd where she had no business. But she had to do it. She had to do it. She had no other hope. So she threw caution in the wind, reached for the miracle. And so now she's wondering how high a price she's going to have to pay for that miracle as she comes and falls at his feet, trembling with fear. Not just afraid, trembling. Her body is shaking with fear as she tells him the whole truth of what she has done. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Daughter, daughter, your faith has made you well. Be at peace. Be at peace. We see so many times in the scriptures, so many times where we come, and we need to fess up. That is so important. That's one reason why I think he said, who touched me? Because she needed, we need confession. It's good for our soul. And so she fesses up, and what did she receive? He did not condemn her. He didn't say, I can't believe you came in this crowd, you unclean woman. It's what other people would have said, other holy people, other religious people but not Jesus. He did not condemn her. In fact, there he is in the crowd with her, and instead he kind of lifts her up. He calls her daughter. I mean, that's a term of endearment, daughter. It's a term of, of love, daughter. And so he kind of legitimizes her, and he affirms her in her state. In and affirms her so many years she had felt isolated and unloved and on the outside and I'm sure lonely and he calls her daughter and affirms her let any he didn't go it doesn't say he whispered to her so other people heard daughter and so he publicly said you matter you're cared for you are loved and he recognized that her faith her your faith has healed you that it was her faith that he also recognized and so he affirmed her while at the same token same time letting the crowd know that a healing took place as this woman had said who she was and what her condition was so the whole crowd i'm sure is going whoa -ho -ho. And jesus affirmed her while letting them know that she's been healed Letting them know that it's her faith that healed her. And now that she is free from suffering, able to go in peace. And in doing that, we see the second reason that we believe Jesus stopped and brought attention to the situation. It's because Jesus is going to use this situation as he uses virtually every situation to bring glory to God. To glorify God, his Father in heaven. 
And so it's her faith coupled with God's healing power that frees her from her suffering and her pain. And the people in that crowd that day then were given another glimpse of God in action. The God who cares. The God who loves us more than we can even begin to imagine. Glory to God in the highest. Amen. And so anytime we look at the word of God, we say, okay, how do we apply this to our lives? What's an example? How do we take this in or how do we live this out? So we have a, a couple who is part of our Connection Community Church uh, family, Glenn and Connie, and they uh, were willing to share with you a part of their testimony. Take a look. Back in late 1990s to early 2000s, um, our marriage was um, struggling greatly. Um, I was to a point where um, I did not care for the direction that Glenn was heading and I was struggling to understand um, everything and really what to do about it. So I reached out to a good friend of mine who, I ha who has been coming to Connection Church. At that point in my life, I really had nowhere else to turn. And I didn't know what to do or where to go. And I wasn't ready to just throw our whole marriage away because at that time we had been married over 20 years. So um, I started coming to church uh, here at Connection this was my safe place and uh, Glenn and I had not been going to church anywhere and um, so then you know I came around to a point where I was ready and I was a little bit more open for him to join me. During that period in time in my life I had reached a point where uh, I was emotionally and spiritually and pretty much uh, mentally uh, exhausted and empty. And uh, I had a foundation in God and I had a foundation in Jesus Christ when I was growing up. Um, but I had, uh, I had walked away from uh, both uh, the church and, uh, and the spiritual aspect of my life. And I had nowhere else to turn. I was, I was frightened that I was going to uh, lose my marriage. And I was frightened that I was going to lose my wife and my children. And so, um, as Connie made her turn towards Connection Church, um, and I saw her and watched her um, begin to have some hope and some strength, and, and that was that was the only thing that I could hang on to because I had nothing. I was I was pretty well exhausted uh, and could not uh, could not move forward until I saw that that uh, there was some hope here at Connection Church. So I started coming, we needed a miracle. We needed a miracle and, and we found one here in this church. It gave me the drive to keep on and, and, and keep searching for that miracle in our relationship rather than just throwing my hands up and giving up. And I think the fact that both Glenn and I were open to the opportunity that maybe this, you know, our marriage could be saved um, was a key factor 
and we were patient and we worked together and as time you know evolved um, you know the miracle did happen for us. I heard other people in this congregation and in this church that that were living the same demons that I was living. You know, I, I could I I could feel the presence of God. I could feel them and I could feel the presence of God through them. Uh, because they were able to share with me uh, a lot of things that they were going through. And they shared uh, how the, the connection, Alan and Carrie and, and, and God and had, had uh, softened their heart and had uh, changed their lives for the better. I came, I came to Connection hopeless. And as I continued to, to come, and, and even today, I became hopeful. So Glenn and Connie were pretty brave uh, to share their testimony. And, you know, God works in a variety of ways. Connie reached out to a friend who invited her, and she sensed something. And what happened was, yes, the body of Christ surrounded her, but her heart became soft to Jesus, the great healer. And then Glenn saw something, and he came into the body, and it wasn't church that healed, but it was Jesus Christ that healed and used the church to be a vehicle to lead him to Jesus Christ. It's so cool how that works. How's God going to use you to be that light, to be that hope? Because those of us who are in Christ, our, our call is to submit to God and glorify God in everything that we do. So the question becomes in this, what about you? Where's the uncontrollable bleeding in your life? We all have stuff. We all have really hard stuff. And some of you are in the midst of that really hard stuff. And some of you have been reaching for that miracle. And it's been not just a month or a year, but it could be years where you're waiting. But in faith, please know that Jesus walks with you and sits with you and hangs with you in the waiting. Those waiting rooms are so important in our lives, and they hurt, and we don't like being in them, and sometimes we're in them, and it's not our own, you know, it's beyond us. We, we didn't ask for it. But God teaches us in those waiting rooms of our lives. And so just hang in there. Hang in there. So the question again is, where are you feeling like you're getting drained and you've got nothing left? Where you're reaching and reaching and reaching, and it's like, do you even hear me? God hears. God cares. God loves. Loves. Are you willing to reach out again or for the first time? This woman, 12 years, and one day she had the courage to go to Jesus and reach out, and she received her miracle. Mm -hmm. When you're reaching for a miracle, 
Perhaps the first step would be just reaching out to who Jesus is, asking him to come into your life if you've not done that. It's tough to ask him for a miracle if he's not in your life. To admit that you're a sinner in need of a savior, that you can't save yourself, to ask Jesus to forgive your sin and to come into your life and be your savior. That's who he is. That's what he does. It's a good first step if you've never taken it. Very good first step to a miracle. Here's the thing about reaching for a miracle. We don't have to wait until we're like desperate and all out of options. We can go to Jesus every single day, once a day, twice a day, a hundred times a day, and just say, okay, walk with me, talk with me, guide me. I need you desperately, Lord, and I'm going to glorify you no matter what. In fact, that's what the kids are going to learn with Daniel. Even if you don't save me from this, I'm going to still praise your name. Even if you don't. Because we know that he's still there and he will walk with you and carry you no matter what. And you think, well, you don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. Jesus can't love me. Oh, yes, he does. Oh, yes, he does. There's nothing that you've done that will cause Christ to not love you. There's nothing that you've done where Jesus says, you are not worth giving my life for. Nothing. And so in faith, like this woman who reached out for the miracle, in faith we just take one more step. And the confessional part's an important piece of that. And then allowing Jesus to work. Could be immediately, or there could be some, some waiting time. But just know, Christ loves and carries you every single moment of every single day. That's the gospel. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, this is a story that you you think, oh, boy, but she sought you and reached out. Help us do that without ceasing. And God, we might get tired, but you never get tired. And you sent your son for this very reason, that there could be nothing that would separate us from you. So we thank you, Lord, for your love that is so far and so wide and so deep, and help this song as we worship you in a moment. Be our anthem. I will follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Whom you love, I'll love. I will follow you. We thank you and we glorify your holy name in the name of the Father and Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Right now, whatever you're struggling with, wherever your burden is, if you're online, you can do this too. Wherever you are, just open your heart up in your seats. Stephanie and Gary are back there. They are ready to pray with you and for you. The steps are open for prayer. You're welcome to stay seated. You're welcome to rise and worship our one true God. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. 
For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.